positive i think women don't negotiate and give themselves the the thing that they deserve to get right like there's right. always they always act on the back foot i don't know for what reason so i wouldn't say women don't have struggles of their uh-huh. own they do and the only ones that i have seen do well are the ones who can stand up for themselves hi guys welcome to the remasters the remasters is a show about founders innovators entrepreneurs and all those dreamers who have hustled to create some amazing products and services we dive deeper into these brilliant minds and deconstruct what makes them tick they really are dream hustlers because we believe that these dreamers have followed their dreams relentlessly in this episode we speak with malika sadani malika is the founder and ceo of the moms company a personal care products brand the brand caters to expectant and new mothers the idea for the moms company came to malika in 2012 when she just moved back to india from london at the time she couldn't find safe products for her daughters locally in fact one of her daughters also suffered from a skin condition she spoke to a number of parents only to realize that there was a gap in the market for such products this birthed a brand which many moms now rely on malika thank you for coming on to the show it's a pleasure to have you hi anmol thank you for having me i have a few questions for you malika first question tell us about how you got into entrepreneurship what was that aha moment that made you want to get into entrepreneurship Uh, mine was a very personal journey uh, i have two daughters and i realized uh, you know once i moved back from london to india i realized i couldn't find good quality natural products for them both of them had skin conditions which needed us to go for natural uh, cleaner products and products mm-hmm. that were also free of all sorts of synthetics uh, all sorts of parabens mineral oil all sorts of allergens in it and i think uh, i struggled to find those options in india and in the quest of actually finding products for them was where i stumbled into this big need that i thought because you know when i would go back to facebook groups those mommy groups and have conversations with them and ask them saying right. what are the what's your choice of shampoos and washes and lotions mm-hmm. i never got answers from them and i think it was really surprising for me to kind of figure this out that it is you know it, it's a question which everybody is talking about and nobody has even given them an answer for it right. um and it's very unlike what i had in london when i had my first daughter nobody was discussing these points the conversations were very different there mm-hmm. uh that was where i figured there is a gap in the market mm-hmm. and then of course started the whole exercise of figuring out if we could create good quality natural products that were safe and effective that right. i could use confidently on my daughters and that sort of over the last 3 years has led to where momsco is today right and you built it pretty fast and it's kind of scaled up pretty fast as well uh what do you attribute that to i think there's i think there is a lot of honesty in the brand uh-huh uh you know i i always tell people that you know when i was kind of hearing people out and when i was in the industry before we started the organization so i at least worked on this for about 3 years before the brand launched and every time i would kind of meet people uh there was a slight bit of resistance from people who made products to use their own products right and when I hired my product development team when i hired manufacturers the uh-huh. one thing i told one of them was that i want to create products that i can use on my daughters confidently right, right. like i i probably know everything that goes into it including every test report that is to the product and right. yet i shouldn't second out of using the product and entrepreneurship like your family is not into entrepreneurship right like you kind of were sort of a first generation entrepreneur yes yes absolutely my dad was in the army wow uh, my mom was a homemaker uh-huh. so yes the 
first generation entrepreneurship. That's actually very interesting. I haven't yeah. like. <laughs> I want to know, like, coming from the army and then you know, kind of getting into entrepreneurship, like you know. it's a service background and you know it's not very comfortable for a family to think ah oh, my son is getting into entrepreneurship or my daughter is getting into entrepreneurship yeah, yeah it is it is and uh, and yeah. did they kind of say ki are you really interested in this or is it something you're out doing out of passion a hobby uh, did they ever kind of say ki nahi ya let's do, why don't you do something else maybe a job actually they didn't it's very interesting that they had their massive resistance towards it Mm-hmm. because they were like and i think they were more from the uh, perspective of how much money you would need for it versus them like even till date my father is learning the whole aspect of this entrepreneurship fundraise along with us like he's a very curious man nice. and he but he's learning the whole thing uh, with us so for him also that concept did not exist so i think their first reactions to this was how much money would you need from us and i said no i don't need money from you okay um and i think one very nice thing that they asked me to do which i think every entrepreneur who's trying to get into entrepreneurship must do uh-huh. is that uh, they made me list down two things and uh-huh. said that um what are these two things that will break you uh, if you don't have them in your life okay. right and i actually made that list and then said if it reaches there that you have to give this up uh-huh. then i think you should kind of look to shut shop and do something else and uh-huh. i remember telling them that i'll give this two years and see where it goes in two years uh-huh. if it is all right then of course we put into it because i think uh, what was also i don't know if you know my husband also joined this along with yes me. yes you know all the bread owners in the family kind of decided yeah. to do this um which was even larger of a risk so we gave ourselves two years to do this uh-huh. Uh-huh. and um, luckily in those two years we didn't have to give up on those two things and uh-huh. because we did we continued and uh, and of course mom's got us did well Ah, uh, nice. So tell me, like, what goes behind the R and D of creating a skincare brand? You are not a microbiologist. You're not a skincare specialist. Before you kind of create, created this brand, uh, so how did you kind of dive into the R and D, and that too focused on moms to begin with? Yes, so it was actually it, the first set of products that we made was uh, in terms of formulation that we started off with was for the baby care range. So I think. uh it was even more uh, a tedious a job to kind of figure out r&d for it uh it of course baby products take much longer in their testing which is why the first range we launched was for pregnancy but uh, to answer your question i think what i did was in the about 2 to 3 years before we actually launched the company um i was constantly speaking to r&d experts and uh, you know toxicologists across the globe so uh-huh. my husband was handling consumers in uh, mckinsey and I, to kind of just get insights into how they look at skincare and what are the amount of tests that need to go into products uh-huh. there was a very strong lens of everything had to be right because you know and also in the segment that we are in with pregnancy and baby mm-hmm. i don't think there is much scope for error we spent a lot of time just trying to figure out what are the tests to be done what are the safety norms to be followed yeah but we hired our npd team so the new mm-hmm. product development team as we call it the r&d team for us mm-hmm. was the first team that got hired mm-hmm. and uh, each one of them had background into doing baby products right so right right cross right. and of course we took it up two three notches up because we wanted right. to be very sure of what was getting made right and i think that's the journey kind of started off from i think what was new for them they, they were all great formulators and they could really formulate products uh-huh. uh, the the role that i paid with them was actually of a police saying that you can't use these products <laughs> right. and you can't and i think that was their biggest challenge till date right. um, 
there is a joke in the organization saying that till we reach x number of trials for a product i don't think malika is approving of it nice. so in the middle someone who tried to dodge the numbers nice. on those <laughs> <laughs> just to test that you really have to go through those number of samples or not but uh, i think it it just takes time right. and uh, we just had to make sure that they were built to world class safety norms right um, and had textures and you know fragrances attached to it which actually kind of weren't very off like we traditionally had a lot of natural brands who would come up and say you know the product's not effective because there is a constraint uh-huh. in natural or it doesn't smell that great because there's a constraint in natural but which wasn't the case globally so i wanted to create products that were not just effective and natural but also gave you a good uh, feel by while you're using them right and you're basically creating a product which is competing with the likes of johnson and johnson so building that trust must have been some some bit of a you know heavy task it was i i think i i still thank those first set of people who actually had confidence in us and used the product i'll tell you a very interesting instant that i had on mole it was i think about 7 months into launching the momsco mm-hmm. where there was a lady who wrote to us who had had a baby and this was 3 month 3 days after she had her baby so she was introducing her baby to us mm-hmm. and i think that's the power of a d2c brand these days right like mm-hmm. you're so connected to your audience and your people right. that they actually write back to you and i think it's a great feat for a brand if somebody um you know who's got a baby for 3 days uh, remembers to write into you as a brand right, right because right. That, just after you've had a baby the mom's trying to figure out a lot of stuff in her own life right. uh, and in that case if she remembers us i thought we would done a really good job with her and uh, and she kind of just wrote which kind of hit home for us saying that mm-hmm. i was looking out for a proposition that you had mm-hmm. and then i read your story mm-hmm. and when i read your story i kind of had a sense of uh, relatability and a sense of trust that i built into you ah, and there i decided to try the products Uh-huh. and that grew into actual efficacy where you know i was on my delivery table and the doctor said congratulations you don't have a single stretch mark right. and i just went back in my life saying this was an absolutely new brand that i decided to trust and use mm-hmm. and then she of course continued using the same for her baby as well but i think it was an honest story that came straight from the founder right. um you know with the conviction of saying that as i said right i use my products and right. uh, that get home for initial set of people and right. once they liked it they became our strongest ambassadors to kind of get us more set of people i actually opened my house out to people the first uh, launch happened and the first video we made was with my daughters in my house wow. and we continued that for a really long time so i think it was massive transparency to have a question please ask me um and i'll be happy to take it on i think just that comfort kind of tried to get a lot of uh, moms to kind of trust in us and then they became our ambassadors to go ahead and get us a lot more wow that's interesting actually i was going to ask you about your initial days and how did you convince like moms and stores like how did you convince stores to kind of stock your product so we actually launched our own stores uh-huh so, okay uh, since we had pregnancy as our first range uh-huh. uh, it was very hard to find a pregnant woman in these stores and also the population of those people were fairly like small right they're not right. always out right uh, so what we did was we launched stores inside maternity hospitals right so while right. the thing to go consult a doctor we had our own uh, you know people who would go and have a conversation with them get them to try the products 
uh, get them to get a feel of the products and then uh, you know kind of also give them the benefit of the ingredients that we use have right. that chat and post that chat when they could kind of give them trials we did a lot of trials and samplings in hospitals at that point of time mm-hmm. and then those were the people did first for us so we did not go with the model of launching with other hospital other uh, stores uh-huh. we actually did the our own stores wow that's interesting that you actually went to hospitals and kind of tested your products uh, right actually at the doorstep of where a mom a would be mom would be and did that kind of give you confidence that okay my products are being used by these moms and it has a lot of potential uh, how did you keep yourself high in those moments where you're kind of in the hospital and trying to kind of push your products you know if you're doing a startup you have to find pleasures in those small joys that you have because otherwise mm-hmm. it is just so tough and mm-hmm. for us as an organization those little moments have always been customer feedback right, right? So i think in those initial days as i said we had this one instant where that woman tried to uh, make us a part of her baby just being born and introduced right. her baby with baby's name and she wrote a really long letter to us you know wow. which i think was very touching um wow. we had this one case where uh we have had a woman call us up at 8:30 in the night uh-huh. um and she was on her way to meet her bhabhi in dubai and these are again very initial days right. six months seven months into launch uh-huh. where uh, you know this this bhabhi had declared her pregnancy about two hours back and then this lady of course asked her i'm coming from india what is it that you want and she said i want the mom's course round box and uh-huh. we had like these cases where they would come and this woman just called up saying i don't know how but is there any way i can get this wow. because that's the only thing that she has asked for so wow. you know we had a lot of these cases i remember once there was a conversation which actually scared uh, uh-huh. us off which was uh-huh. basically a woman saying i you know i i couldn't order in time and i'm going into pre labor uh-huh. uh, is there any way you can make sure the products get delivered in the next 3 days because i don't want to use anything else on our child and wow. we having a conversation with her and i said okay when are you going to the hospital and she said i am in the labor room wow. and just went like oh my god you know like i think you've had multiple of those moments uh, even with parents writing back to us saying that nothing as a lotion worked on my child but yours has really helped put his itch down uh, the right. child is not itching more the child is not irritated with dryness in the skin and i think all of these little, little things are stuff that we really uh, kind of take a lot of joy from uh-huh. largely because we see it as being able to make a difference in someone's life and right. that us is huge right we used to have a wall in right. one of our offices where all feedbacks were being put up wow, that nice. anyone kind of can go up and do and i remember at that point of time my um, any low day that i had uh-huh. uh, i would on the customer chat you know a lot of women leaders are rising like even kamla harris has become uh, the vice president of the united states we had a yeah. bunch of women leaders in india as well but in entrepreneurship we still see a lack of it in india what do you think keeps them back and what do you think made you kind of step forward um i of course as i said i had a personal need so i was quite driven out of a need to create products for my daughter so my drive was largely that mm-hmm. uh, but to answer your question i've spoken to a lot of female entrepreneurs and they keep reaching out for uh, some of the other conversation i think women don't negotiate and give themselves the the thing that they deserve to get right like there's right. always they always act on a back foot i don't know for what reason uh-huh. um i wouldn't say i didn't have my my set of struggles i did i remember this one conversation that i had with one of the people when we were fundraising for the first time with one of the investors 
and uh, it was me and my husband who went there and besides the fact that you know they would ask a question and would largely be on the product and i was giving them the answer they would continue to just keep directing the second question also at him and this kept going on for as long as 45 minutes like you can't be that uh-huh. dumb to not understand that she's answering the question and you drag the so i wouldn't say women don't have struggles of their uh-huh. own they do and the only ones that i have seen do well are the ones who can stand up for themselves you know right. um, respect is something that you can't ask for you have to command it mm-hmm. um then you need to be strong enough to do it and i i think you need to give yourself the credit to believe that you deserve what you're asking for right now that's interesting that you say that do you have sleepless nights thinking about your brand saying thinking that oh i have to do this i have to do that or is it like uh, no i've done my bit yesterday night or yesterday and that's it I'm a very obsessive person. I do. Uh-huh. I I do. I do have sleepless nights. There was a point in time when I had a lot of sleepless nights. Right. And then I tried to figure out how to kind of uh, sort it out. Mm-hmm. And now what I do is that I send out emails to everybody before I go off to sleep, which uh-huh. is basically that's playing on my mind. So team wise there is a, you know, a right. email, sorry, wise there is an email that goes to literally everyone in the organization so that right. it's off my mind and off my plate. and right. it's not playing in mind and next day when of course walk into office i have that email to kind of bring everybody in and have that conversation with um i i think this as a thing has really helped me so just uh-huh. taking note and at and ending it by actually sending a mail out instead uh-huh. of just having your head and are you able to switch off uh, uh, on your vacation or on your weekends or is it like uh, on your subconscious your business is always there Uh, so I, it's not on my subconscious that the business is always there if uh-huh. there is something that i need to do and the organization is still very young so there is a lot that we need to do uh, on our mm-hmm. own as well right mm-hmm. so uh, i do not switch off completely and i have mm-hmm. given up on the word of work life balance uh-huh. i have instead the words of work life integration uh-huh. so even when right. we go for a vacation both myra and sina are aware saying this is the slot of time when mom and dad will be having a conversation with people in the team right. in which they need to Now their own thing to do, uh-huh. but post that they kind of switch off and then take them out and be with them. And then again, after we've come back, uh, we again have that little time that we spend again speaking to everybody uh, at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do take these breaks in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, and we also take breaks while uh, while we are not speaking to them on a vacation. But right. I haven't had a vacation or a single day in the last three um, years where uh-huh. I haven't worked. Yeah, where I haven't worked. and tell me something like a lot of entrepreneurs see a lot of struggle a lot of failures uh, you've seen uh, some failures or you've not seen any failure in your life and what do you make of failures i'm a very resilient person anmol mm-hmm. so i don't give up on failures mm-hmm. if you ask me we've we had failures we've had multiple failures and we've also had failures at time when we couldn't afford them right uh, you know like a product launch that had to happen and we realized that during the final test phase of the product which actually comes after seven months of making the product the first time it right. failed which meant wow. going back in time to almost about a year and you had a launch based on which all your numbers were stacking up for the next uh, year right. and you had to go back on it so i think it was we've had a lot of similar cases where there have been pushbacks uh-huh. um, and failures that we have had but uh, what i have learned is that each failure is a lesson for you in right. life uh-huh. pick on to that and then create your own story out of it uh, uh-huh. if you take it too much to heart then uh-huh. it is it's not going to help right so what we learned from the failure 
is what kind of helped us grow the organization in, in, in ahead right we've had uh, failures on work front we've had failures on uh, product fronts we've had certain failures which did not uh, land very well with the customers as well and we had to kind of rechange it right so we've uh -huh. had all our shares of failures as well uh -huh. uh, but they've never held us back or they've never disappointed us as i said right anything like this happens you go ahead and do a customer chat wow does that resilience come from the forgy background I don't know. I I think I think adaptability comes largely from there. Like we used to move every two years. So yeah. if you are honest, my husband finds it very amusing that I don't have a childhood best friend. Right. Like, are you, like, I do not have. I said, listen, I've not spent more than two years with anybody in, right. in school. So uh -huh. get in, but you get friendly with everybody. It's almost about three months down. Uh -huh. uh, by the time to make best friends, you're out. So right. I don't have a childhood friend. But yes, they it did. teach me a lot coming from an army background which was largely saying how do you adapt yourself quickly to uh, uh -huh. changing uh, cultures changing right. environment and just meeting new people oh that's interesting and your husband works with you how did you you told me that you kind of he was your first employee how has it been with uh, him uh, like how has it been working with him and how do you kind of kind of uh, ensure that there is a proper work life integration as you say so i think um, i wouldn't i would if i had to redo the organization i would still have him as my first hire so kind of that tells you like i i just right. i think you know a lot of people have this conversation of a husband wife startup yeah uh, but i don't really honestly understand why those conversations exist because uh, as founders and also as partners uh -huh. uh, you know exactly what's happening at work Uh, right and you right. exactly what's happening at home so i think if there's one person who understands your mental state the most uh -huh. is your partner in that case right like uh, i i can't imagine if he was working too much and i was constantly at home and not connected with business i would probably not be able to understand how, how his day was uh, which is not right. really the case when you work together also uh -huh. because you know the person personally so well uh -huh. you can see a lot of things coming out on that person much before a stranger or a friend would have right, right. so there have been times when you know i i was on a verge of burnout uh -huh. and before i could he observed it almost 2 3 months later he said uh, you're getting very and you need to control this now and uh, you know like let's just figure this out so he forced me into meditation at that point of time uh, okay must, right so i think the people just understand each other so much better uh -huh. that uh, better the only one thing that you need to do is that um, you know from an organization perspective you need to be very clear on what you're building you can't have an organization where people believe that you know this husband wife duo goes home makes decision comes back to office right ha uh, that's an interesting thing yeah and those those decisions are not made in the office rooms but are rather made in the house right. so that was one thing we never did so mm -hmm. you know like on discuss conversations that we have had with different team members at uh -huh. home it's actually a joke in the organization where they like i don't you guys go just go back home and have a conversation <laughs> and even like decision where we don't pass on the information that you had with him at home because it's completely not useful right. and the second thing that we started on very different roles for each other in right. the organization so uh -huh. that the team knows exactly who to go out for uh, for what decision to be taken if i think that's not clear it will right. leave your people in the organization quite confused uh, and that doesn't 
because everybody in the organization is looking out for clarity right if there's no clarity of role between whom do i report to and whom i don't uh-huh. and who's got the call in taking this decision uh-huh. then i think very hard for the employees uh, themselves which is something that you need to take care of uh so the next uh, question uh, that i have in mind is that you've kind of raised millions of dollars in funding how do you plan to use that funding so we've always raised funds for three things one for growing our team size second mm-hmm. for growing our product range mm-hmm. and third for increasing our distribution channels right. so we continue to focus on using funds for these right right and e-commerce has been a major focus for you guys uh do you kind of intend to kind of expand in the e-commerce uh, sort of segment or do you see a lot of scope for yourself in the modern day format so we actually launched our retail about 6 months back now mm-hmm. uh and we've seen a very high uptick on that retail front as well mm-hmm. uh so in our distribution of course prime channels from amazon nike first try flipkart continue to be our first mm-hmm. partners with whom we had launched Mm-hmm. but we're also launching on the online space with few of the mm-hmm. newer brands like smitten mm-hmm. foxy and the others mm-hmm. uh while on the other hand we've also started growing our distribution across on the retail front as well so we're focusing on both right. um you know e-commerce for us is something that we've been doing from the last 3 years mm-hmm. and we are comfortable doing retail is a skill that we have to learn in the next right. few years Mm-hmm. Finally, as an entrepreneur, what advice would you give to wannabe entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs or what or like people who think about entrepreneurship every day? I think if there is something that keeps you up at night, maybe it's really worth losing the sleepover. Just get started. You know, like just get started. If you feel very passionately about something, you must uh, just jump into it. And I would give you the same advice that I got. please make a chart of those two to three things that would really hit you if you did not have them mm-hmm. and once if that's clear for you uh, mm-hmm. give yourself some x period of time like i gave it 2 years mm-hmm. uh, if it works out in 2 years then great if it doesn't then you go back to what you were doing before but uh, entrepreneurship is a lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, it's very very hard but at the same point of time it's it's very rewarding uh mm-hmm. you know as well so if you really have a dream or a thing that's keeping you up at night please go ahead and launch and get started wow on that note malika thank you so much for that conversation so much to learn from you thank you thank you for having me anul this podcast is produced by podsters audio editing by srishti chaturvedi research by parneet kaur podsters